Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman, the place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Godleski and Ryan Cody talk about life, work, comics and booze. Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show and online at www.tigshow.com T-I-G-S-H-O-W dot com Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking while you're listening to the show. Go on yourself, big man. that thought i'm gonna go turn this fan down okay this is fascinating i was gonna say we got to talking about dick tattoos and i lost my train of thought maybe we need a pre-show maybe that should be like a a patreon thing uh, but i noticed when i was recording last week i get two up on the mic sometimes and my levels were huge so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna actually reduce mine to about like 70 and then i'll just lean in getting all up on that mic yeah, I like to get it real close to my mouth. Speaking of Olivia Munn, uh, we're doing a rewatch. <laughs> we're doing we're doing a rewatch of uh, New Girl because we finished the wife and I finished uh, Star Trek Voyager, and we need a okay. new like we need a new like uh, mindless bedtime show. So okay. I wanted to do a rewatch of New Girl because I never watched the the last season that I think just ended. I never watched it, so I thought I would go back through and whatever. So we just got to. Like uh, the first third of season two when Nick starts dating Olivia Munn, who is a stripper. Okay. She's Olivia Munn with like cute shoulder length hair too. And she wears like, she wears like black tank tops all the time. Yeah. So that's where I'm at currently before I go to bed. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. It's cool. Oh my God. my mic is picking up so much noise, but I can't. Problem is, I can't turn the fan off because then I have to take my shirt off, and I'm not going to do that to you. So I guess I'll just deal with it. Aww. Let me see if that helps. Color me disappointed. That makes it worse. What about if I do that? I'm trying to block it with my spit. Shield. Oh man, there's nothing better or worse than a fountain pen. These things are so temperamental. <clears throat> Yeah. I love this thing. Good God. Yeah, I know. So so welcome, everyone, to our episode on fountain pens and why there's not a good refillable fountain pen on the market. Oh, this is a shitty Chinese Amazon purchase. Oh, okay. Um, I just saw uh, Kevin Mellon, uh, shout out to Kevin, just pointed out on Twitter that uh, Jet Pins now sells a white opaque brush pen. So if you don't work digitally where you can just kind of like white out lines willy-nilly and make shit look cool, like Frank Miller style cool, you can now get one for your commissions or if you work traditionally, you can get a white brush pen. I have no idea yeah. I have no idea how it works. I don't know. Uh, as far as I know, no one has gotten theirs yet, so I have not seen a review. Get it, chumps. That's right. I want to know all about it. Um, I do not because as my as my convention sketch lists continually get fewer and fewer, it's important to me that I start adding new wrinkles into my repertoire. <laughs> you could <have> to <laughs> I wish this was being recorded because that's that's really violent. 
repertoire. Yeah. Um, something something's okay, leaking uh, on me. Bef- there's there's ink coming out of this pen, but it's not going onto the paper. It's on my fingers. Wow. Oh Jesus. So, anyways, this is the illustrious gentleman podcast. This is episode or episode, however you choose to say that word, eighty six. And um, <laughs> you're on a roll. He's Scott. I'm Ryan. Uh, technically, uh, legally, we're both comic book artists. And uh, this is a show where we have a drink and we talk about whatever we want to talk about. And today we're going to talk about uh, advice, random random advice that I solicited, so it's not unsolicited. Right. Um, okay. So we've done a, a an advice episode where it was our advice. Right. So this is this is people were nice enough. A couple people were nice enough to give me some of their advice that they would give to people, and then we're going to tear it apart and and see whether they're right or wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, folks. Yeah. So uh, if this is your first time... That'll teach you to (laughs) engage with the show. That's right. That's right. If you want further engagement, if you go to TigShow.com, you can listen to all the episodes or episodes, and you can also uh, leave us a voicemail there. You can support the show by uh, buying us a round of beer, doing whatever you want to do. You can do all that at TigShow.com. And from the TigShow.com, you can also go to our iTunes page, and you can leave a review because apparently that is very important to people who monitor such things as listeners and stuff like that they want reviews so we need reviews so go leave a review uh just click on the five star if you have nothing nice to say at all don't say anything just click on the little five star button because we're nothing if not a five star podcast and we're gonna get this episode we're gonna get this episode rolling as soon as scott's done beating his pen That's I'm I'm so frustrated. I'm glad I'm so frustrated. I paid ten dollars for this pen. Yeah, I would pay you ten dollars for you not to do that anymore because I got edit all that shit out. Oh, done. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are you drinking today, buddy? Do you want me to go first, or you want to go first? Oh, there you go. Best best sound effect. Mister Boo. Mister Boo. Mr. B Uh I've got an Elysian Super Fuzz Blood Orange Ale. Ooh. Um, there's nothing about it on here. Other than it is an ale brewed with blood orange, if you didn't catch that from the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a six four, so not shabby. They're from the Bay Area, right? Uh, I do believe you are correct. Uh, no, actually, you're wrong. It's impossible. They are from Seattle. Seattle has a bay. I meant Seattle. I meant uh, that bay. Uh, Puget Sound is what I meant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Okay. I like the... Yeah, uh, I, I, I did do ooh. the minimal amount of work, though, and I looked up a beer advocate review i'm so i do have an entry for beer advocate theater today i'm so excited for this you, you want me to I'm gonna, drop it I'm on gonna, you? Uh, you ready <clears throat> i'm gonna turn my fan off hang on oh, are geez. you still there yeah i'm still here hello i yeah i'm still can you hear me yeah your video dropped hang on i'm gonna go turn my fan off you know who's not still here Listeners. Uh, 
All right, you ready? Yeah. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna lift my right. shirt just enough to where you can't see where my shirt's lifted, because you can only see uh, my shoulders. What's the point then? <laughs> it's eighty fucking degrees in my garage. Okay. Uh, shoot. All right. This is from Beer Sampler Six. He gives it a three seven three overall. Is this the one I wanted to? I don't. I don't care anymore. <clears throat> Here we go. Nice hazy yellow tan color with some nice fluffy head and lingering lacing. Smells of citrus and floral hops. Taste of nice citrus rind hops, mainly orange, lemon, and grapefruit. Along with some milder floral hops, grain, malt, and caramel. Smooth, mild, not... Fuck! <clears throat> <clears throat> Stop. Smooth, mild mouthfeel. That's hard. Nice bitter notes in the aftertaste. Decent carbonation. The the mild mouthfeel messed me up. Yeah, because you like a strong mouthfeel. I like to know there's something there. That's right. Um, did he have a line about uh, citrus rind hops? Uh, yes. Is that, yes, he did. Is that a thing? To, uh, I don't think that's a thing. I think there's citrus rind, and then there's thing, and then they, I think there's hops. Um, I don't think when you, yeah, I don't think when you I, grow I don't citrus think citrus rind hop is a thing, right? Um, so what's that idiot? It's quite possible that beer sampler six is full of shit. Well, he's so unoriginal that there were already five beer samplers, and and he's like <laughs> and he's like so committed to that username. <laughs> What a douche. Okay. Um, I tried to. I got back from driving around one of my children just long enough to, to throw some food in my in my gut. And I wanted to pregame a little bit. So I tried to slam two beers to pregame. I didn't finish the second one because my stomach started hurting. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and for, for the purposes of uh, audio, I'm going to. I am drinking. So I went to New Mexico last weekend, uh, a state I'm I'm slowly more and more falling in love with. Oddly enough, uh, hmm. I really enjoy New Mexico, even like super ghetto Albuquerque, because it's like there's parts of Albuquerque that are like super ghetto, uh, but it's not bad. Uh, so, anyways, I picked up. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can get this in Arizona, but I picked up a uh, La Cumbre Malpais Malpais. M a l p a i s mouthpiece stout. Oh. Uh, I apologize for butchering that. I only took four years of Spanish in high school. Uh, this beer was a silver medal winner in 2011 for at the Great American Beer Festival for foreign style stout. It silver. It also won the silver in 2012. So runner up two years in a row. Oh, you deserve better than silver. I do. I'm kind of pissed now. Um, okay, so. Uh, it's seven and a half percent. It's a stout. There's really nothing else. It doesn't have like a selling point. Like it doesn't say like nutty or coffee or anything like that on the can. Um, it is a on Beer Advocate. It is a four point twelve, which is pretty highly rated. Oh wow! And I also have a rendition from Beer Advocate Theater, and this is uh, Cohe Vergas. And I think Vergas means balls or something in Spanish, maybe. I could be wrong. Anyways. No, that's correct. All right. So something balls. 
Alright, here we go. <clears throat> a meal of a beer with enough depth of flavor and balance to keep one interested, but it does lack intricacy, nuance, and subtlety. As a classic by-the-numbers export stout, it's a success, but it won't dazzle discerning drinkers of the style. Very enjoyable and drinkable, though, and absolutely worth trying. I adore its roasty flavors, and that's what you want in a great export stout. Um, so, lots of things here I don't like. I don't like his export stout. I feel like he said that because it says foreign-style stout on the thing. Uh, maybe there's, maybe I'm not intelligent enough to know the difference between a regular stout and an export stout. Uh, and also for someone whose username has Spanish in it, he spells flavor like he's Canadian or European. So maybe he's, maybe uh, he's Spanish. That's worldly. Yes. Maybe he's from, maybe is. he's from Madrid. And, uh, you know how you're, uh, you know, how when you post something in, in, in a word doc, everything that's not spelled correctly gets underlined. Uh, the word the word roasty is underlined, and I thought I I think roasty is a real word. Like roast roasty, it's probably not though. I no, that's not okay. No, it's not correct usage. All right, and also when I was on my trip, I was trying to smell my beers with one with one nostril in your honor. This oh thanks. How'd you do? Uh, I can I can oh. do it. it. Smells like a stout. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, if you ever find yourself in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, they have hot springs there. That's why we go there. It's like a whole weird, like, bathing thing that's a little bizarre, but we enjoy it. They just opened a brewery a couple of years ago called Truth or Consequences Brewery, and I had maybe, uh, we did a taster at eight, eight flight taster, an eight taster flight is probably the way to say that. And uh, I loved like six of the beers, like love, love, loved six of the beers. And they have a double wheat that is seven and a half percent. That is my my favorite beer I've had in maybe a couple of years. Um, I didn't think you were a wheat guy. I didn't think I was either, but they have a uh, they have like a sure, that sounds good. Oh, my God. Yeah. They have like a Scottish ale um, <gasps> that I had that was nine and a half percent. And it was a little the finish was a little too boozy for me. So then I thought I would try the next highest percentage, excuse me, the next highest percentage beer they had. And it was a seven and a half percent double wheat. And so I got it thinking I wasn't going to dig it. And I loved it. It's so smooth, not overly flavorful, but it's just super easy drinking. And it's seven and a half percent. And I can't recommend it enough. But as far as I know, they don't bottle or anything. So you have to go to the small town of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico to get it. Is there such a thing as a nude hot springs? Well, we had a bath in our in our room so i was in i was nude in hot springs but yeah i don't i assume there is i mean we also did a uh me and the guy who was the best man at my wedding and his wife and my wife we did like a group thing but we had our trunks on and it was essentially like a hot tub um but yeah i assume there's like nude nude bathing in some of these desert communities that have hot springs sure why you want to plan a trip you want to do something sure Mm -hmm. i'm also smelling a sponsorship oh there we go yeah. Um, oh, also, I was thinking earlier, hey, beeradvocate.com. <laughs> all we do is make fun Get of them. Get your shit all together. All we do is make fun of them, but we also use them as a source. Um, I did reach out. Uh, yesterday, I did reach out, and I emailed about four or five different uh, uh, beer delivery services to see if they would be willing to send us some free beer. So that's oh, – we'll wow. see what happens. You know, it's they all want to know like how many listeners we have and shit. So I'm just gonna start lying. 
because because when I tell them when I tell you know people get a, people get a little nervous when I say we have five million listeners they get a little shy so I'm gonna start downplaying that to about a couple hundred thousand I think yeah, yeah just to be safe so basically we didn't we didn't have an idea for a show until uh, yesterday I started listening or I'm sorry I didn't you might have had an idea but you didn't share it so yesterday. I started listening to the new podcast from Swain Hunt, who is, used to be part of uh, Sidebar, which was one of my favorite, maybe the first podcast I ever listened to regularly was uh, Sidebar. Um, and so one of the hosts of that has a new podcast that's hosted at muddycolors.com, which is like an illustration uh, website. And it's called The Starting Block, but block with a Q, B-L-O-Q. And... Um, so basically, it seems like what he does is he either does an interview or else he poses a question and then has like uh, well-known illustrators like leave a voicemail with their advice on it, basically. Um, and there's only four episodes and they're only about between 15 and 20 minutes long. So you can listen to everything so far in like an hour. So check that out at MuddyColors.com. Um, but the first one, he had a couple illustrators and I didn't write down who it was and I didn't go back and check so I'm sorry that I don't I don't say exactly who gave this advice but the first the first piece of advice was uh we'll just go with with starting with it and it's um it was uh it's okay to say no and learn to make demands Mm -hmm. so this is something I personally just kind of started doing like a year ago just turning turning down projects that even if I could fit them into my schedule, it felt like it wouldn't be something I would enjoy doing. And I don't want to, I mean, I'm not in a career position to turn down a bunch of work or really any work, but I also don't want to just take work and then be miserable doing that work either. So I think just in the last like year or so, I've turned down a couple uh, gigs, nothing like a long-term graphic novel or anything, but a couple, you know, single issue stuff. So what do you what do you think about that? It's okay to say no and learn to make demands. What do you think about that as as it pertains to your career or or career advice in general? I think this could also couple as uh, official illustrious gentleman sex advice, especially that second part. Make demands. That's right. Yeah, it is okay to say no. I I don't know. I, I feel it. It's always okay to say no. The second part of learn to make demands, it depends on what position you're in. I I don't know. It's maybe it's just like a, a personality thing for me where I'm not a boat rocker. Yeah. Um. But um, I I do think it is important to use your leverage if you have it, it, it because there there's nobody looking out for you in the um in the freelance work for hire art field uh if you're not going to take care of yourself then nobody else is going to so yes i agree with the second part if you're that kind of person and if i guess if you think you can make it work like i i don't think i could make it work uh partly because of my personality and partly because of um, where I am on the totem pole. Uh, it, in my brain, it it makes sense for me, if I were an editor, that this guy isn't good enough for any sort of headache, 
So if he's going to push back on anything, there are 10 other guys I can email right now and they'll just take the work. Yeah, I get that. Can you hit your hit your video button and hit it again to see if your video comes back on cuz it's throwing me off. Um how's it go? Is it gone? Yeah, it's been gone for a while. Um Oh, hey. I I missed it. I have not had my video on. You are shirtless now. Well, yeah, but you can only see my sweet delts. My Yeah, you're a uh, you're framed like a an episode of Handmaid's Tale. It's very unsettling. <laughs> yeah. Um what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I agree with that. But um, I, I do like the make demands when you can. So, like, say uh, – so you don't feel like so, – so say an editor came to you and said, like, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. I've been trying to get you on something. I can finally make you the regular artist on this DC book, right? You know, not, 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 not mm-hmm. one of the big main books, but like a Green Lantern or a, 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 like a Batwoman or something. You wouldn't feel comfortable saying like, "Oh, okay, but I want this person to color me if possible." Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't tell that editor who you want to color you or anything like that. You wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Uh, if I, if I don't know who's coloring it, if it's not something information they presented me with, I would ask. I have asked if they if there is a colorist on the project. So then, if they said no, I would ask. Well, you know. Is it okay if I float you some names? And then I would float the names in the same email. Um, right. But if they tell me, yeah, there's so-and-so on it, then I'm not going to say, oh, well, would you consider this person instead? Even if it was somebody whose work you didn't like, you wouldn't speak up. Uh, like, oh, because in, in, lo- in the long run, that's going to affect how your artwork looks, right? It, uh, ooh, I would have to have pretty strong feelings the other way. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I... I I don't have an act of dislike, really, of anybody working. So right, I can't see myself saying that. Yeah. Um, and then the other the other part of that was it's okay to say no. I think it's okay to say no. There's tears to that, right? Just like anything else, there's tears to, like what you said, to your place in the industry. There's tears to when when you should be saying no or when you should not be saying no you don't want to turn down multiple offers of work from uh on a major from a major publisher you don't want to be the guy who every time they want you on a project you you're a pain in the ass to work with or you like no i don't want to do that i'd rather do this or i don't want to do that i'd rather do this right um whereas when you're doing indie work it's much easier because you're dealing with a ton of different different writers, different publishers, different editors to where the reputation of being the guy who always says no and always has demands is going to catch up with you really quick in the DC editorial office yep. or in the Marvel bullpen. It's going to it's going to take minutes for two editors to talk and be like, oh, he turned me down, too, uh, or she. Um, so, yeah, I think it's OK to say no, but I also think it's OK to say yes to a less than perfect situation to ensure that you're reliable for that publisher or that editor. So yeah, like when I say I turned down work cause I didn't think I would have fun working on it. That was obviously not like a, a valiant book or a dark horse book or something like that. So, um, there's levels to this game and that's one of those advice ideas that, that is like that or that applies to that. The next one I think is universal and and is 100% uh, 
and it's uh, meet deadlines and get the work done. And I think that the thought behind that is you're not always going to do your the best art you could do in any given situation. But when there's a deadline and you're doing commercial art, you have to get the work done by the deadline. So it's okay to not have everything that comes out be 100% the best thing you ever did. It's more important to have, I mean, you don't want to put out shitty work, but it's more important to be reliable, I think, in this business. Yeah, and I I would push back on the first part of that about uh, sometimes it's going to be not your best um, because that's going to come up later. But just, just uh, yeah, meeting those deadlines. It's one of the 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 three pieces mm-hmm. of the the comic book pie, the sweet sweet cherry pie. <laughs> That's right. You have to be fast. You have to be good, or you have to be reliable, right? And you got to be two of the three. Uh, good is on that, time f- and a pleasure to work with. Don't oh, be right, an asshole. Right, essentially. right, right. Yeah, so get the work done. Because there's a lot of guys who, I mean, if you're really fucking good and, well, let's tackle this in two things. Meeting deadlines, if you're not going to make your deadline, you have to tell people in advance. Like my editor now, I was able to set my own deadlines on this Adventure Van book. And I know that I'm going to miss, or I knew that I was going to miss the last deadline. But I let him know like two weeks in advance. And, and you know, he's like, that's fine because we built in enough time. Um, so you just got to tell your editors, you got to tell your collaborators, uh, so that, you know, so that the letterer or the colorist is not stuck trying to cram a week, you know, a month's worth of, you know, 20 pages worth of work into a week because the asshole penciler and inker fucked up. Meet your deadlines or at least be honest with your editor or your publisher about when you can meet those deadlines. Don't fucking lie all the time. And the idea behind getting the work done and just doing the work I think 90% of artists have to do that. I mean, if you're someone like Adam Hughes and you can afford to just do one or two books a year and do covers because you're so meticulous and so, you know, everything has to be so perfect that you can afford to redraw pages and shit like that because you're not on a monthly deadline, then that's fine. But for 90% of the guys out there and girls, uh, you just got to get the work done. That's the most important. I mean, publishing schedules rule over everything else. You know, I think uh, especially Marvel and DC, they would rather the book come out and be at 70 percent than the book not come out till a month late and be in 100 percent. Right. And and that's yeah, that's that's just uh, that's just the mainstream animal because readers aren't buying it for me. You know, if uh, yeah, I, I on mainstream books, by and large, creators are plug and play pieces right so yeah yeah if you want to continue to play you gotta you gotta nail that shit that's right uh i gotta i gotta click away from this hangouts window you are distracting as fuck right now do do you want me to turn my no no it's fine keep it on i'll check in every little bit just to see how many other articles you've lost (laughs) I'm sorry that I'm making it hard for you I, to concentrate. Oh, I just took my shirt off. <laughs> it's fine. I can't see you anyways. Your video's still not oh, really? working, so I it can doesn't see matter me. on my end. Yeah. I can't see uh, you at all. You can't see me just, yeah, just me. staring longingly at my laptop. Okay. Yeah, my hair's doing a weird thing, too, because it's hot as shit. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. anyways. You're, like, right. topless, and you got sex hair. This is 
This is the best day of my life. Moving on. Um, so now we're going to get into our uh, uh, the Twitter responses to this uh, question. The question was, uh, what's the one piece of advice you would give uh, another creative person or a person in creative field? Uh, PJ Krifko is a writer. He's at PJ Krifko, uh, PJ K-R-Y-F-K-O on Twitter. He used to work at Viper Comics back when I was doing a book there called Villains. Um, and his response was, the worst thing you make is better than the best thing you don't. So I guess the gist of that is just do the work, right? Get uh, To go back to the last one, get the work done. Uh, make something. Um, I don't know if I agree with that statement because... Uh, it depends what your it depends what your goal is. If you're a hobbyist and you just want to make a comic so that it, when you die you can say I made a comic, then sure. But if you're a f- if you're fucking terrible at every, uh, that's a that's a harsh way to put it. If you don't have any level of skill in storytelling, and you just make something that like a like a nine year old could make, is that better? Oh, this, I'm such an asshole. Is that better than not doing no, it? Right? No, no, you should not have done it. The world is not a better place for having that. Right, and it's okay to it's okay for these these creator or creators. Uh, it's okay to not make a comic. I understand everybody wants to write comics and everybody wants to draw comics and everyone wants to do their superhero epic oh, yeah. or their crime epic or whatever. But not everybody can do that. Just yeah. like uh, I can't, I can't fucking fly a space shuttle. One right. of my dreams, you know. I can't, uh, you know, whatever. I can, there's a lot of there's there's more thing. There's a hundred times more things on this planet that I cannot do than right. I can do. Okay. Yes. You need to before you do anything, stop and ask yourself: Am I good at this? If the answer is no, then don't do it. Right. And but but then there's also like. Sure, get you're gonna get better, and no one's ever gonna see it, right? Like in high school, I created issues and issues of comics that no one will ever see but me, and it was a way to practice to get better. Uh, if you're not gonna make an, a a serious attempt at getting better, you know, go back, go ahead and make it, go ahead and make it, but you don't no, don't try don't to do put it. it out, don't try to put it out and up against professional published work, and then be pissed if it doesn't get received the same way. You know, there's nothing wrong in, in creating art just for yourself. Oh, is it bad? Even if it's bad, because no, while you're doing it, no, while you're doing it, it, you're en- while no, you're doing it, you're enjoying it. it. Don't do it. it. What if it brings someone happiness? What's if the only happiness in their life is to make uh, ceramics, but they don't have any fucking skill in sculpture? Then be sad. Oh. Well, then they can just be like a modern sculpturist. So yeah, I don't know how much water that holds. The worst thing you you make is better than the best thing you don't. I feel like that's uh, that's something, some text I would see over a picture of a sunset or something on Instagram. That would that would get way more likes than any comic book post I make. Uh, but yeah, I guess um, I guess if you feel like you have to make art or you have to tell a story, find the medium that works best for your skill set. So write prose or make make Instagram videos or. Uh, I don't know, write a one-person play or something. I, I can't imagine anything more depressing than a bad one-person play. <laughs> this, every week you and I do a bad two-person play. <laughs> so the next is from artist uh, Joshua Hood, who was sitting next to you at Heroes Con this yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, so at Joshua Hood on Twitter, uh, 
Diversify your portfolio offerings, design, commercial illustration, and comics will all hit dry spells at one time or another. So he's saying make yourself, if you're going to be a professional artist, make yourself uh, in, uh, uh, employable in many different, uh, I don't know what the term is, genres or fields. Uh, I responded to Josh and said, uh, that makes sense. I don't, I've never done that. Uh, it totally makes sense. And there's guys like Dan Panosian who do like, uh, you know, they do design work for film and design work for animation and all that stuff. And all that pays way better. Corporate work pays way better than comics. Um, commercial illustration pays way better than comics. Uh, I've just never done it, but I, I agree with this statement. If you if you have that skill set, which I do not, if you have that skill set, then definitely oh, totally. do that. Yeah, I, I would love to. Um, I, I don't know how to do those other things. I, I wouldn't even know how to to introduce myself to that field but but yeah it's sage advice it's like uh, it's like something else that's smart to do you know yeah it's smart to do like oh, um fuck I, uh name just came to me uh ali moss he does uh he just did some uh a series of harry potter covers for their digital their ebooks and they're great and they look i mean they're not simple but they look they're simplified you know it's not a realistic illustration or something like that and i'm sure i'm sure designers who are good at that really good at that they make way more money doing one book cover illustration than you or i would make doing a full issue of comic book work you know so if you're a good enough artist to diversify in that way you're going to do well because comics will be the least lucrative option between you know illustration and uh say uh storyboarding and stuff like that so um, that's definitely a smart thing to do. I agree. I, Good advice, Josh. Thanks. Seems man. like a seems like a smart guy. I can never pull that off. Um, <laughs> being a smart guy. Yeah, that or being good at anything. Oh, um, right. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's name. Uh, Rich Duick, Duck, Duck, Goose. D O. D O U E K. Uh, he's a writer. As Twitter handle is R D O U E K. He says, "Don't be afraid to suck. Everybody sucks at some point, and even seasoned pros can completely whiff it on a bad project. I think they can whiff it on a good project. Uh, the key to a great career isn't to be amazing right out of the box. It's to always be improving." I agree with the first two sentences. The last one, uh, I think that is kind of a key to a, a great career is to be good right away uh, uh i think it improves longevity oh for sure and you can ride on it you can ride on those coattails forever just uh, ride I'm, it hard I, i'm trying to think of someone who later in their career just became flat out amazing that wasn't that didn't seem to be already projecting that way um hmm. the first guy that comes to mind is a guy that did some x-men fill-ins back in the early 90s and every time he did a fill-in i was like oh i was a little bummed and now he's like one of my favorite artists and that's ron garney um mm. and also mm. uh also lee also lee weeks when i first saw lee weeks stuff i was like oh it's good but it didn't blow me away and just the other day i picked up uh batman 51 and it's lee weeks and elizabeth brightweiser and jesus fucking christ lee weeks might be my favorite batman artist of all time oh uh, he's my favorite superman artist yeah yeah, he's sure. he's pretty amazing. So um, those two guys, those two guys always stand out to me personally as guys who, when I was younger, 
I didn't love well, the work, okay. and now they're that, amazing. That's interesting. I would argue that maybe your eye for things has changed, and that's why that, yeah. uh, Lee appeals to you now. I don't see his stuff as being a lot different than what it had been. Who was the first person you said? Oh, Ron Garney. I remember him from yeah. uh, Wade's first run on Captain America and thinking that I liked it. But now it's it's a totally different animal, and it's great. Right, um, right. I mean, I, 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 I own a page from that run on Captain America, the Sentinel of Liberty run, Yeah. and I love it. It's like my it's like one, one of my favorite original pages I have now. But when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, it's – well, not a kid. That shit came out when I was like in my 20s. But I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's good, but it's not it's – not, you know, blowing my, my ball hair back, but, uh, <laughs> you know, definitely, definitely, uh, like a fine wine. I think those two are really hitting strides now. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, for, um, Stuart Eminen, when he yes, first yes. came around on adventures of Superman, I thought it was yes. like, Oh, it's just, yeah. I remember, um, that's a great example. Stuart's a great example. Um, I remember loving next wave, obviously. Right. And then uh, I so my library in Phoenix used to have a great graphic novel collection, so I checked out uh, Shock Rockets, which was from Guerrilla Comics, which was like an imprint of I don't know which publisher is an imprint, Dark Horse maybe. And uh, that was obviously some of his earlier work, and I remember thinking like, ah, oh, shit, this doesn't look anything like Next Wave, and being like a slightly confused just because it, it seemed like such a drastic difference. Um, but yeah, Stewart's another guy I think who hit his who hit his stride maybe 10 years into his career and definitely skyrocketed up to, you know, like I thought about this yesterday when I was reading or on Wednesday, when I was reading this issue of Batman um, with Stewart stepping away from doing mainstream work, Lee Weeks is becoming my favorite mainstream comic artist. Uh, it's amazing. The issue's great, but yeah, uh, most guys are amazing right out of the box. Jim Lee was always good. Um, Mark Silvestri right. was always yep. good. Um, you know, it's just, it's a lot easier if you're great out of the box. You know, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy was always good, you know, um, or Mike Mignola was always good. So, um, but yeah, don't be afraid to suck. Eh, I get that, but it, I, I'm the poster boy for putting out subpar work because I take gig because I take last minute gigs or because I take gigs that I think will be something special, but then I have to rush them out. And if, your career will suffer from putting out from you know you think you think you're doing a solid right for a publisher i'm not going to name names but but you think you're doing a solid for a publisher yeah i'll take over this book yeah i know it's super late i can do an issue in two weeks you think that'll be you'll be rewarded later down the line like like i would think that they understand that if i put out an issue in two weeks it's not going to be my best work but they're going to later give me some work that doesn't happen. I don't get emails back from that publisher. I've never gotten work from that publisher again. That editor will not respond to my emails. So it's better to turn down the work than to put out sucky, shitty work. But I do agree with the everybody sucks at some point. Um, and even even pros, even seasoned guys can put out bad work. But the really good seasoned guys, seasoned guys do not put out, and girls, do not put out bad work. So... Uh, there's a little bit of truth to, to everything, and there's there's some stuff I agree with, some stuff I don't in that statement. I suppose. I I think maybe I read this differently than you when it's, when the advice is don't be afraid to suck. Um, the way I kind of interpret it is you're going to fuck up. You're going to make mistakes. 
every line you put down is not going to be your best line. Um, right. And and one of, you know, when people used to ask me, I guess about <laughs> tools and things when I when I did oh. traditional art, um, mm-hmm. your your most important tool is going to be your eraser because you're going to fuck up all the time. So right. But it's fine because you'll figure it out. You'll identify what sucks and why it sucks and you'll fix it so i, I guess that's sort of how i read this okay um, that's how i read the first sentence the second sentence sort of clarifies it and makes it into uh, uh right. an idea like you just responded to but yeah i that's i thought i would insert myself there just between right. and th- between those two sentences Right, and this is a phrase. So this is a phrase I never thought I would say. Uh, so his first line was "Don't be afraid to suck," and what I would say is "Don't always suck." So <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to to know that when you're putting out work, it might not be the best work you can possibly do, uh, but you can't do that. You can't make a career out of that. And I feel like I feel like I'm at that point now in my career where I got to really start. You know, maybe in the past, and by the past I mean up until like yesterday, I, I'm I'm not I'm more unhappy with a page than I am happy with a page, and I think to really sustain a career and to 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 boost a career and to to move on in a career, I got to get to the point where I think those pages I'm more than fifty percent satisfied mm-hmm. with those pages yes. as opposed to the other as opposed to the other way around. Okay, so let's move on to uh, I feel like uh, my 23andMe might disagree, but I feel like I'm an Irish Irishman at heart. Uh, another Irishman, uh, PJ Holden, at Paul J. Holden, uh, artist who's done a lot of work for uh, 2000 AD, a bunch of British publishers. He did a graphic novel with uh, my pal Mark Sable many years ago. Um, he responded, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I, I get that. Uh the hardest thing to learn is one good year doesn't mean you made it. Agree. Let's just stick on that before I go to his last thing. Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's that's obvious. That's every job or that's every career. Um, but yeah, one good year doesn't mean you made it. I've talked about this on, on, this, on this show in the past. The first book I ever did got optioned. Well, sorry, the first book I ever worked on that I thought was a real comic almost got published by Image. I mean, to the point of... You know, they were him and Han. And then the second book I pitched got picked up, published, and optioned for a movie. So I just thought, like, oh, shit. So 50% of everything I want to work on, I'll be able to work on. And then 50%, so one quarter of every project will get optioned. <laughs> um, so, and, and, I, and I still, a lot of people now know me from a book I did three, four years ago, you know. So, yeah. I think he he also followed this up. I didn't write this down, but I think he said his first published work was at 24 and he started freelancing full-time at 37. And I was pretty similar. I started freelancing full-time around 36 or 37, but my first book came out when I was like 31 or 30. So, uh, yeah, we've all had up and down years, but I, I think, I think this particular career illustration or comic books in general Sorry, comic books or illustration in general, you might have a great year, and then the next year you might have a year that's twenty grand less than the previous oh, year. Oh yeah, easy, right? I mean, it's my tax returns are all over the place. It's like a goddamn like uh, lie detector, like that little squiggle thing on a <laughs> on a lie detector test. Those are my yearly tax returns. Like, 
you know, I got three or four, <laughs> like I got like two movie checks that year. So boom, super high. And then I got barely any work the next year. So super low. Like it's, it's insane. And unless, unless you have a, like an exclusive deal where they have to give you X amount of work a year, you either got to be really good and really reliable, or you're going to have to just get used to that sort of the peaks and valleys and that sort of shit. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it, for the majority of the work for higher people, I would imagine it's, um, I think, um, the term feast or famine is kind of stupid and probably not appropriate, but it's the only thing that pops into my head right now. I um, think it's, I think it's a thousand percent appropriate. Yeah. Then most of the time it's going to be the latter. So prepare yourself, kiddos. I mean, you should, if you're able to, especially if you're single, like I feel like if I had been single the first, say 10 years, I was making comics because for half of that, I was working a day job. I could have banked so much money and saved so much money. But when you have a family and you have kids and you have mortgages and rent and all that shit, it's impossible to bank your savings for those lean years. You know, like it's, it's hard. Uh, PJ also said in another tweet, uh, make sure you, you save 20 to 25% of your income for taxes. I've never done that. Every year when taxes come around, I just, I just grease up and get fucked because I never, (laughs) I never make enough to save 20% on top of that to pay a tax bill. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not for everyone, and I'm I'm still, let's see, I'm like 13 years into when my first comic came out, and I still don't know if it's for me. Like I every every time I could pay rent for the last 13 years, every time I paid rent or paid a bill or paid for airfare to go to a show, I've kind of like patted myself on the back a little bit. Uh, but at some point, that's not sustainable. I don't think. No. Um, uh, and then he also he made this comment. Uh, people who want to work in comics will. It's just a matter of time. Uh, I I disagree with that statement because of the word work. People who want to make comics will. It's just a matter of time when they make their comic. Not everyone gets to work in comics. Um, so when I say I pat myself on the back because I can pay my, my rent every month, I pat myself on the back because I'm proud of myself that I was able to survive another month and feed my kids for another month by working in comics. Um, I realize that I'm lucky. I'm one of the few who want, who gets to do what they want to do, or at least gets to do what they thought they always wanted to do. Right. But I don't think, I don't think anybody who wants to gets to it's, it's not, there's no way there's lots of guys who want to, and we've all met them because they come up to us at shows or you see them at signings and you can tell immediately someone hands you a book, you know, check out my book or whatever you could tell immediately whether they're going to have a career in comics. I've never had anyone hand me a book that I looked at and I was like, Oh man, they're passionate about it, but it's just not there. I've never seen their name pop up again years later working on a book. So there is, there's a level of innate skill in there for sure. It's not just all desire. You have to have a skill set, no matter how limited that is. Uh, It's a nice idea. Look, I always wanted to be an adult film star, but it's just it's just never going to happen. Yeah. Well, if there's a micro penis market, then maybe. Even though Dad Bod is hot right now. Yeah, I hope so. Cause you're, <laughs> <laughs> I got my shirt off as we speak. Uh, it's a little more than Dad Bod, though. I'm a, I'm too Dad Bod, double Dad Bod. Um, double Dad Bod. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so the last one comes from our good friend, honorary illustrious gentleman, gentleman in air quotes, uh, John Derek West, uh, at Daticus on Twitter, D-A-D-I-C-U-S, who, by the way, I honestly think he's one of the most talented dudes I know. He's a little he's a little hard to deal with, I think, at some times, but I love him to death, and I love his artwork. His, his thing was, run, don't walk to the exit. Uh... And I think he, he explained this by, like, if you're not working harder than everyone you meet, it's not going to happen. So I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's a lot easier for it to happen to you if you are working harder than everyone you meet. But there's plenty of dudes who are not overly talented or yeah. overly skilled. Yeah, there there is that, yeah, there is that, that piece there that you need. Johnny can be the hardest working motherfucker out there, but if he's not any good, it doesn't matter. Right, and if so and so has is really good at drawing super hot chicks, but can't draw a car or a background to save his life, he's going to be just fine in this industry. He'll be a convention guy. Right, or if so and so is if artist A is really good at using reference to develop his style, and then uh, artist B just traces photos, artist B is going to be just as is going to get just as much work and just as much acclaim as artist A from the general public. They don't know any better. So there's plenty of people who don't work hard, who just kind of dial in on their one thing and they don't care about storytelling. They don't care about anything else. They just do one thing really well. They're going to have a career. So I would say for for maybe for the for the middle 50 percent of that, though, that's going to make sense. Right. If everybody wants if everyone has the same skill set or if you and this other guy have the same skill set, whoever works harder is going to get the work. So that does make sense, I would say, about half the time. And then his last line is is great. This is something that um, uh, when my middle son graduated middle school, he had a teacher who always told them this. And some of the parents, when they heard it, like at eighth grade graduation, some of the parents heard that the teacher say this, and they were like, "Oh, they were shocked. They were like, "Oh no!" But he used to always say, "He used to always say, you're not special. No one is special." And this is what this teacher to- taught my middle grade son: "You're not special." Don't act like you're special. Don't expect things. You're not special. Work hard. So JD said, no one is special. Uh, no one is destined to be successful. And I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Every, everyone, even even people you think that, uh, I mean, I guess it's not easy for anybody, right? Like you, there are artists who get to the point where they can they can afford to do four or five covers a year and, and five or six conventions a year and they have a career. But that's because they're really fucking good. No one gave them that. They're, they're so good they don't have to work on a monthly book. No one's ever gonna give you anything. And so don't Yeah. Don't 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 it's, think uh, your shit don't think your shit don't stink. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a very uh Tyler Durden esque sentiment. And it's a hundred percent true. And that goes back to the uh what was it, the previous one from Paul Holden, one good year doesn't mean you made it. One good project or one one great book doesn't mean you made it. I mean, there's lots of artists who had a really great sort of run on a book, and then you see them a couple years later, and they're doing fill-in covers or fill-in issues. You always have to, you always have to, I don't know, you always have to be on top of your game as much as possible in that exact moment. I mean, you, uh, I don't know. There's very few guys who keep getting offered premium books if they keep fucking up it's not like it's not like a normal corporate job where you can continue to fail forward right or fail up (laughs) where they just keep you've been there for 20 years so let's just promote you uh a career in illustration is not like that you don't just get 
promoted and get better gigs because you've been around for so long. Uh, you know, I kind of equate it. Uh, so I equate it a little bit to fighting. A lot of fighters who never never win belts, but they have a long career. They then become coaches, and then maybe people they coach become champions. It's it's not quite like that in comics. They're not going to hire me to be the art director at Valiant, right? So you can't, you know. I mean, they should because I have a, my eye is better than my my eye is better than my hand, if that makes sense. Uh, just a couple of days ago, I saw pre I saw two previews, and there's some some editorial misses that just drive home the fact that we need more editors who are artists. But yeah, no one's destined to be successful, and you're not just going to get handed shit. That's right, Snowflake. That's right, libtards. Um, okay. Uh, I think we might have covered this already, but what would be your uh, one piece of advice? Uh, let's don't. Say, yeah, let's let us let us not do that because let's say it's somebody yeah, that's, who's already that's terrible and stupid. And let let's say cliche. it's somebody who comes up to you at a show, and let's say they're like a twenty year old kid, and they just booked their first miniseries at Dark Horse or at Boom or something, and th- and so they're already in it. You know, they're in it. Um, what would be a piece of advice you would give them? Oh boy. Um, actual, sincere, helpful advice. Ideally. Uh, well, you're going to have to get shit done. There's going to be work you don't like either because you don't, like the stuff you're producing or you don't like the project my advice would be to find the joy in whatever it is you're doing so if it's a talking head page maybe you give yourself the challenge of figuring out uh, an interesting layout or different ways to frame uh, each of the panels or um, you know if, if it's an action scene really push yourself to uh, to make your uh, uh, your characters be more dynamic or um, the the storytelling choices be uh, be bigger and uh, uh, more explosive or or whatever um, find ways within yourself to make it as interesting and entertaining for yourself as possible because a lot of it isn't fun not every page is going to be spider-man fighting green goblin on you know top of the empire state building or whatever uh that that that, i guess that would be mine is make it fun for yourself right make a make a vodka lemonade out of those lemons right uh right I agree with that a hundred percent. Not, I mean, I think that's 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 great advice because I think anybody who books their first gig is like super fucking pumped, and there's going to be at some point in that shit where you got to draw like five cars, uh, and the people talking in a car for four pages. Like, there's, it, it's yeah. Your I, your your first jobs are not going to be fun. Right, they are right. Not. It's gonna it's gonna be a writer's wet dream that a publisher decided to publish, that then you have to draw that shit. Yeah. Um, I've I think I've mentioned it before that I once had a gig that it never came out thankfully, uh, and I never ended up drawing the second issue because it they kind of canceled it. But the first issue was 
I'd say 90% took place in a diner between two people talking. And the second issue, about 95% of it took place in Fenway Stadium during a playoff baseball oh, game. Oh, God. And I was like, this is the worst possible oh. th- thing ever. But that's the, that's the gigs you're going to get. Those talking head kind of gigs are what you're going to get when you're starting close out. Close-ups. So, yeah, lots of close-ups. Um, yeah, I have very similar advice. My advice would be uh, be professional. Get the work done. Communicate with your collaborators. Um, just make the client happy, right? Because those first couple books and even – you know, not to talk, not to, not to mention any names, but you could be 15 years into a career. Not a lot of people might be reading your work. Um, but what you can control is making the people who are paying you happy, keep them happy. They're paying your bills. They're feeding your kids. They're putting food on the table. They're, yeah. they're putting a roof over your head. So yes, before, before you have to worry about fans and keeping yep. your fan base happy and making shit look cool is you yep. have to please the dude writing the checks. And if you can do that, then you might be lucky enough to have another month where you can make them happy. They'll write you more checks. You can pay more bills. Um, so, yeah, worry about your fan base and your style and all that bullshit later. Uh, get your bills paid first if this is what you want to do to pay your bills, which is what we, we do. I mean, besides the besides, I mean, the majority of our money comes from this podcast. But if, if you're going to be a person whose most majority of your money comes from comic book art, uh, make your editors and publishers happy. Word, G. Yes. All right. Anything else before we wrap it up and I put a shirt back on after I turn my fan back on? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't want this to end. <laughs> I bet. I was just thinking I have to make sure to close my, uh, turn off my <laughs> webcam before I stand up to put my shirt on. Because, um, you know, I stand up to put shirts on because I'm a gentleman. So, uh, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And, uh, you can, um, I already mentioned going to tickshow.com. You can follow Scott on Twitter and Instagram at Scotty God. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Cody and on Instagram at Ryan Cody 75. And most importantly, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at TIG underscore show. I put a lot of posts up when I, when I did my traveling and drinking through New Mexico on the Tig show Instagram. So check it out. Um, and then until next week, what, what's so funny? Hey, are we going to do, reviews oh shit yeah sorry good 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 call buddy all right how was your hang on i'm gonna remember it hang on how was your elysian brewing companies was it space dust almost super fuzz super fuzz orange something yeah blood orange ale pale ale Mm -hmm. um Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a couple it's not weeks overly since... orangey. Uh-huh. Um, That's the, good the citrus element is a little lacking. Um, uh-huh. I suppose it's there. I, you know, I think last week we talked about, uh, the ABV being a factor or not. Yes. Yes. This is a 6-4. Uh, man, I don't know. Let's be, let's be positive. Let's let's start today out positive. So, round up. Oh, let's start it out positive now that we're at the end of the show.
No, I mean the day, like it's Friday. Let's it's let's one o'clock in the, the afternoon. Yeah, I know, but all I gotta do is like another hour of work and then <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I just I just made a clucking noise a clucking right. sound with my tongue. I don't know what uh, um, three. Let's go three. All right. That's me That's, being positive. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, La Cumbre. Malpais. Doesn't Malpais, wouldn't that mean like bad peace? Malpais? I don't know. I guess know. I don't know what, I don't know what P-A-I-S means, but it's bad something. Okay. Uh, Stout. Uh, it's a New Mexican beer brewed at their peak. Get elevated. La Cumbre Brewing. Um, first of all, for the majority, man. New Mexico has really good breweries. Uh, I have to admit, I finished this like 20 minutes ago, and I was finishing up on this shitty beer. But it it the Malpais Stout did did nothing to offend me. It was a good beer, tasted fine. It's seven and a half percent, which put a hair on your chest. Obviously, you've seen me with my shirt off. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's got two silver medals, but in my heart. It's a gold medal winner for New Mexican stouts. Well, two silvers equal gold. Platinum. I'm gonna give it a. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four. I really did enjoy it. It was nothing was offensive about it, but I obviously nothing stood out about it either. But I'm gonna give it a four. I think I could drink this shit all day, especially in the winter, when stouts should be drank. One last note: if you, if you're at the Walmart, everyone's got a Walmart. If you're at the Walmart and you don't know what to buy. You might get tricked into like a 12-pack sampler from a company called Trouble Brewing. It's at every Walmart on the planet. Um, they're from uh, this company in Rochester, New York, which I think brews a bunch of generic cheap beers. But they 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 design these to trick you into thinking like they're like a craft beer. Um, stay away from that shit. I'm still drinking shit that my buddy bought in New Mexico that he left me with. So that's what's in my fridge. And none of them are any good. So stay away from... Stay away from uh, craft beer you've never heard of that you find at a Walmart. Give us that name again. Uh, Trouble Brewing. They make like a red flag huh. amber, a uh, cat's. I think I, I reviewed the Cats Away IPA before, uh, but they have the sample. You, you can never find a six pack of any one of their beers. You can only find the 12 pack sampler of four different beers. Um, and it's like a 12 pack sampler is like $13 at Walmart. Just pay the extra money and get a real beer. It's like the five dollar uh, uh, DVD set of like thirty no name yes. horror movies at Walmart. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. what it's what it's, it's a Steven Seagal five disc box set up here. Um, but I did I am drinking it because I refuse to not drink free beer. Okay, so yeah, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, um, Scott. Thanks for reminding me about the review portion of the show. And. Um, I'll talk to you again next week. And if you have any uh, any beer you want us to try, send us an email. Uh, send us a message. Uh, if you have any topics you want us to cover, send that also. Because otherwise, we're just going to turn into like a, a justified uh, episode <laughs> review show. Well, there, yeah, yeah. there are six seasons. You can go through episode by episode. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, what seventy-eight episodes of the yeah. show? Did you just see that uh, the Deadwood movie got greenlit for next spring release? I saw a headline about that. I I do not care. What? Oh, that's right. That's right. You don't care about Deadwood, even though it's the second eh. greatest television show of all time. Whoa. <sighs> Pump the brakes there, bro. We've, we've already done our, our TV shows, and I think I listened to mine, Deadwood at 2.
I'll have to go back and listen to that. Yeah, well, you sh- that would be the first time. Just you ever like everybody to it. should. This is where I would. In- this is where I would edit in me three days from now telling you what episode it is. Click the link right here. Boop, right, boop, boop. right here. That would be episode thirty-five. Show me your arc. Yeah, let's wrap this up because I might have I might have a, a guest show up at the studio in the next hour, and I gotta I gotta finish some work and and most importantly put my shirt back on. All right, I'll talk to you later. I'm sad that I didn't get to see you this week because your webcam sucks balls, but I'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah. Bye, bye.